Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. I walked into the editor's office at the mm. end of the week and she gave me my reference. And it was a glowing reference about my week there. Oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I, then she looked me straight in the eye and said, it's all lies. Hi, I'm Greta Solomon and you're listening to The Wannabe Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Wannabe Podcast. I'm your host, Imri. Wannabe is the podcast that takes you from where you are right now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for staying subscribed and listening in. You can subscribe for free and catch a brand new 30-minute episode every Wednesday. And if you're enjoying this episode, tell a friend, tweet me at Wannabe Podcast, screenshot and tag your Wannabe Podcast episodes and your Insta stories, and I will reshare them. Greta Solomon is this week's guest. She is a British journalist and writing coach trained in speaking, professional acting, improvisation and performance poetry. Greta teaches and trains aspiring writers through her books, events and online courses. In her career as a journalist, she has held staff roles at Women and Executive Women. And you can find some of her freelance articles published in the numinous Forbes.com and the Huffington Post, as well as a variety of national newspapers and magazines. Greta also recently published a book called Heart, Sass and Soul, which will be available in the UK on May 2nd or April 15th if you're based in the US. In today's episode, we talk about the life-changing power of free writing and journaling. You'll learn about the importance of brushing up your writing skills for your work and business. We explore how to balance writing from the heart with the technical aspects of writing effective copy. And while chatting to Greta, I also discover one of my biggest writing blockages, which I suspect you might be able to relate to. Enjoy. Always wanted to be a journalist. And I actually did um, a week's work experience when I was at school at my local newspaper. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I had a really bad experience there, oh, no. actually. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and, well, um, it, I was only 15, so I didn't really do very much. I did a little bit of typing. It was the old days. Um, <laughs> and I accompanied a photographer on a shoot, and I really didn't do very much. But I thought, well, you know, this is all going fine. But then um, I walked into the editor's office at the mm. end of the week and she gave me my reference. And it was a glowing reference about my week there. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I, then she looked me straight in the eye and said, it's all lies. And I was so mortified. <laughs> Wait, what? 
Yeah, and I and it really put me off journalism completely. I didn't want to do it anymore. I thought I was like really embarrassed and did not want to do this anymore. Why did she die? I absolutely no idea. It was the strangest experience. And I put that aside, decided I'm not going to do this anymore. I studied psychology at university and I thought, oh, I'd really quite like to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I was pursuing that. And by the time like university had finished, I realized actually... I love psychology, but I really don't believe that our brains are like machines. And I really don't believe in the whole scientific side of it, that you can measure every human emotion scientifically. And I believe we have soul and spirit. And I realized after university, I really had to just give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to work very briefly in fashion PR after leaving university, spent the whole summer sort of um, half-heartedly going for job interviews that Mm -hmm. I thought I was supposed to go for. I went to one in a bank, for example, and went (laughs) to all these things I thought I was supposed to do. And I realized I really don't want to do this. I want to do something I actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. Had this experience in a fashion PR company and realized, no, I have to just give writing a shot. I have to give journalism a shot. So this was 2000. And I just literally sent out letters to all the magazines I could find in London, um, offering myself uh, for free work experience. And that's that's how I got started um, as a journalist. Free work experience. Oh my gosh, what a contentious issue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it was really different back then. Um, It wasn't really a thing like it is now. Um, And not everybody did that. I was living at home still. Okay. This magazine was a bus ride away from my house, um, the one that I got accepted at to do the work experience. And it was no big deal, really. It seemed like a really smart way at the time to get some experience because I had no writing experience, no journalism experience. I'd only written one article for my um, university newspaper. That's all I had. Yeah. So I had to do something a bit different to get my foot in the door. How long was the experience? Well, I did. I was there for... Well, I was there for about two weeks doing my unpaid work experience. And actually on the second day I was there, all I had done so far was make tea and do a bit of filing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and um, I really thought, okay, this is not really going anywhere. And I actually called my career service at university. I don't know what made me do it. I remembered that. That's such a unique thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I remember they existed and I remember looking at it. Oh, do then... they not exist anymore? No, I th- they definitely exist. Uh, I just didn't know people use them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what made me do it. I remember being told that you can call your career service if you want advice after you've graduated. So I called up and I, I spoke to a, a man there and I said, I'm at this magazine and all I'm doing is making tea and filing and this is really a waste of time and what he said to me was really life-changing and he said look you're you have an amazing opportunity right now you're Mm -hmm. in a magazine you have access direct access to the editor go in tomorrow and tell her that you're a serious person who wants to be a journalist and could she give you something to write please and I went in and I did that and the editor was like really taken aback and said no one had ever said that to her before. No one had ever sort of taken control of the situation like that. Yeah. And she was amazing about it. She gave me something to write. Amazing. Yeah. And she took me seriously and she kind of became my mentor. And that two weeks turned into a three month placement. I went on all sorts of press trips. She gave me loads of stuff to write. And after three months, I had a job. I was deputy editor of this magazine. Amazing. Bloody yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And normally people would get funneled in from journalism school to do that job. Yeah, but I learned on the job, I was working alongside this amazing lady who had been to the journalism school who taught me kind of all the practical things yeah, I needed to know. 
And with my sort of natural writing skills and sort of learning on the job, I was able to, you know, get up to speed. And it was just like a really, it was an amazing way to start out in the industry for me. Weren't you scared of going into her office and just being like, please can you give me something to write? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. How do you psych yourself up for that? Yeah, it was really scary, but I didn't have anything to lose at all. I think that's important. I think that's a good a good thing to know when you have nothing to lose. You kind of just say what you want and do what you want. I'm finding more now that like I have been like towing the line in my own career a little bit of being like, I won't say this because this might upset this person. I won't do this because this might upset someone. Um, and actually it made absolutely no difference. It makes no difference. Um, you could just say what you want. Well, not what you want quite as much but there is something in knowing that actually I don't stand to gain or lose I only stand to gain in this situation I exactly. won't actually lose anything so yeah like, there's a lot of power to feeling that way definitely and I think people uh, find it quite refreshing because mm. um, not that many people are direct I'm a very direct person so I kind of say what I think what mm -hmm. I feel and I, I think that's refreshing when other people don't and they you know, you kind of know what yeah. I'm thinking and know what, you know, by what I tell you and how and yeah. my expressions on my face, you know, et cetera. So after fashion PR and then you're in this magazine, turn, become deputy editor. Um, did you ever experience your writing career to be like a really plain sailing one in terms of like from being a deputy editor? Did it just become easier for you to pick up writing jobs? Was it like a snowball effect or were there times where you were just having to still... Hustle, I imagine at some point, did you ever go freelance or did you? I did. Yeah. So yeah. what was that, those transitions or going from a different writing job or stable writing job, yes. which almost doesn't exist now, no. <laughs> um, to, I guess, a more unstable one? Yeah, it's, well, what, how it was, was in that magazine, you tended to work there for a year. It was mm -hmm. like a starter job and then you moved on. So after about a year and a little bit, I went to work for a women's weekly magazine. Mm -hmm. one of the big women's magazines in London and I was just on a short-term contract that I was there for like nine months covering someone's maternity leave mm -hmm. and it was after that that I went freelance so I'd had two staff jobs under my belt and then I went freelance and it was a major major shock major in what way? shock what was shocking about it um because when you're at a magazine, you're just literally fed work. Of course, you've got to have your ideas and you pitch ideas in the meeting. But yeah. when you're freelance, I remember on the last day of work at the magazine, I met a girl in the in the elevator. Mm -hmm. She worked at a different magazine and she said, oh, contact the travel editor. She'll give you some travel features. So I did that and I got some travel features at this other magazine and that helped. But it was really scrabbling around pitching everywhere getting loads of rejections getting lots of things published as well but so many rejections as well yeah. because that's how that's the game and not always getting paid on time and one there was one article I did it was a big fashion piece spent ages writing it researching it going to London Fashion Week interviewing the designer and then the magazine folded oh my god and so I didn't get paid you oh know and and these things happen yeah. all the time, but I didn't know the lay of the land. I didn't know that everything I had experienced was normal. Ah, so did you not have peers that were also freelance writers that you could kind of turn to and be like, is this normal? Or not am really. Am I meant to be paid this much or not be paid? Or what are my rights here? Not really. I didn't. That was one of my major mistakes. And that's what I would recommend to people who are going freelance is to have this really strong community around you. Like now, for example, I'm a member of a Facebook group for freelance journalists. So mm -hmm. we can all chat. We know 
what's going on we can compare experiences but in those days there wasn't really Facebook I don't remember Facebook I don't remember any social media I don't remember any kind of so it was just like your friends that you knew that you might call or text and I, I did I mean my best friend is a journalist but she was kind of doing something different she was working in a different industry and we didn't really yeah we weren't having the same experiences so it, it, it was just a major shock and I was also feeling very kind of creatively blocked and a bit stifled and I was kind of trying to explore myself at that time so I was also going to drama school that's going to an drama interesting school. take <laughs> where did that come from yeah <laughs> why yeah because I really felt like I had done everything the correct way. I felt like I'd gone to school, I'd got good grades, I'd gone to uni, mm-hmm. I'd got some, you know, good job in magazine industry. But I didn't, I had that kind of crisis. I was like 24 maybe, mm-hmm. that sort of crisis where, is this it? You know, I don't feel like I'm being creative. I don't really feel like I'm being true to myself. I don't feel like I'm really expressing myself. I don't feel free. And I, I thought drama school was the answer to that. Um, So I was going to drama school in the evenings and weekends. It was six days a week and I was freelancing in the day. So it was just a really super intense time. Yeah. And then after that, I Every day you were going to drama school? Yeah, six days. Yeah. I'm guessing that cost as well. So were you feeding your tuition with... With the freelance, yeah. Were you still living at home as well? Uh, Yeah, I was living at home at that point. Yeah, otherwise there would be no way to afford that. And I just, I mean, I've had, I've always been a writer, but I've had this very multifaceted career so I've also um yeah did loads of other stuff as well because I was freelance I had to always make sure money was coming in of course yeah so the freelance journalism paid but who knows when it was going to pay because sometimes you'd be chasing up your invoices honestly cash flow as a freelancer is just (laughs) so stressful like so stressful (laughs) I can really relate I'm like you just don't know it's just like one day there's money there and sometimes the next day there might not yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. It's like a massive lottery. Yeah. Of, I know I've got money due, but you know. Yeah, but where is it? Where is yeah. it? <laughs> it's on its way. So I had a four year period of being a freelance journalist, doing my drama school, which I did for about a year, yeah. doing a promotional work, I was doing bits of modeling, I was traveling a lot. I had this very sort of peripatetic I think you call it I don't know if that's the right word actually Um, I've never even heard that no maybe that's the wrong one (laughs) I don't know (laughs) this is Nicole Hannah-Jones creator of the 1619 project from the New York Times magazine the project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks that slavery was foundational to America so it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. Shame on me. Uh, aren't we both copywriters? Yeah, we should both know what mm. that means. We can let's, Google it later. Let's go with multi-passionate. <laughs> yeah, multi-passionate. So yeah, I had a crazy four-year period of doing all of this stuff while still being a freelance journalist. And that was kind of my way of figuring out who I who I was, what I wanted to do. And I, after that four-year period, I figured out who I was. You know, I kind of needed to just go off and do my own thing and not be who constrained. were you I'm so curious yeah well they know the answer to that question I'm like what how did you do it no I kind Tell of um 
the thing I did towards the end of that period was I studied at Berklee College of Music. I studied lyric writing, which is always one okay. of my dreams. To be yeah, I was a literally going to ask you, so what happened to the songwriting part? Yeah. Does that return? Okay, now we're making... So, yeah, I studied at Berklee. It was long distance, so it was just online, and it was just the most amazing experience. And I learned a lot of creative techniques, creative writing techniques that mm-hmm. lyric writers use, a lot of the sort of country and Western ah. artists. I learned how they write songs, how they Is there they anything get exciting in that that's... Well, sharing. yeah, because they use this technique called object writing where you focus on your seven senses, what you see, hear, touch, taste, smell, the movement and the feelings. You take a, just a regular object, anything at all, go through that exercise, free writing without stopping. Okay. And from that, it opens up your creativity so much that you end up having very specific images come out, different phrases, and that's how they write songs. So they'll write about a whiskey bottle mm. and that will spark memories and, and images and from that they can get an amazing song oh this sounds fun like yeah cool we, technique. it's an All amazing right. technique and we did this for a year we did mm. it every day did 60 60 uh, sorry 90 seconds five minutes or 10 minutes and it completely opened up my creativity it meant that I could write really freely and easily and suddenly it meant that I could be prolific. I could, writing was no longer difficult. Yeah. Because although I was a writer, it wasn't necessarily easy. You know, it takes a while to get your groove and your rhythm. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, and I sometimes did feel blocked. And when I learned this technique, it meant that writing was now easy for me. It was free. It was fun. And having had that experience. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I wanted to teach writing. And so I actually trained in life coaching and I trained in teaching and started tutoring. I set up a tutoring agency and started teaching my students instead of teaching them just their what they needed to know for their essays or their exams, teaching them these techniques from my songwriting diploma. Amazing. And they loved it. And that they found that when they felt blocked and when they felt stifled, this freed them up and it meant that they were getting really good grades. They'd come to me with like a C grade and end up with an A grade. That Amazing. was kind of my, yeah, my trajectory. And so that and this was, was just what, writing for anything. So like any industry, well, I guess any kind of writing job or <laughs> writing essays, whatever. So yeah, like, exactly. yeah, so any form of writing basically. Yeah, no, exactly. So like stories that they had to write or like proper essays. I mean, the literature stuff, maybe not so much, but any pretty much anything that they were coming with, mm. I was teaching them everything I knew basically mm. from journalism, from songwriting, from everything I'd learned. And that was so inspiring for me. And that's been my, that's been what I've done ever since. So I, the books I've written now are all about writing skills and 
my sort of multi-faceted faceted methods that I've learned from all these different experiences that I've had. So it's been, it makes sense now. At the time I looked crazy, Yeah, I'm sure, but it, it, now it makes sense in hindsight that all of those things I did were yeah. for good reason. So you now have a new book, Heart, Sass and Soul, which yes. is about journaling. So where's the link to journaling and why is that so significant to you? Yeah. Because so, it sounds like free writing and journaling are like, sim- like you can free write as a, when you're journaling as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you can. Um, I, during that kind of period that I described when I was like going to drama school and doing all these things, that's when I really started journaling because I kind of sort of needed to get all the gunk out. You know, when you're trying to sort of um, live a better life, you know, (laughs) and trying to figure out, well, how can I have better relationships? How can I have better friendships? How can I do, you know, make more money? How can I be more successful? You know, all these things. And you kind of can't do that unless you get rid of all the sort of crap that's there already, all the... Blockages and limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah. And weird ideas that you have about yourself that you don't know you have. Exactly, all that stuff. And so I sort of gone through that that whole process and used journaling myself. But because I also taught um, creative writing techniques and saw how amazing they were Mm -hmm. in helping you become a writer, it's kind of like a, a mixture of all different things. It's about journaling, but also about freeing yourself up and also freeing up the blockages you may have, the fears, the doubts. And it's kind of... Uh, like kind of a mixture of all those things and I was sort of fast forward a lot we were living in Norway so I'm married to a Norwegian so we lived in Norway for six years and I was teaching business writing then I was teaching to like big companies and I kind of I'd done that for four years pitching these workshops delivering these workshops and I sort of needed a break and I started just blogging and started writing just whatever I wanted to write. Mm. And that's when the book came. It's, so it's kind of like my life's work in a way um, to help guide you to live an empowered life where you feel free, you feel confident, where you can write through the bad things that have happened. I touch on loss and grief mm. and not ignoring that, but also looking at happiness. And it's like a way that you can live and use journaling as part of your life to just be happy yeah but in in, in a grounded way are there any like right or wrong ways to do journaling because I find I tried it a few times I feel like it's one of those things that I've picked up and then dropped or picked up and then either I feel like I have to I, I guess I've always put a lot of pressure on myself with journaling anyway with the idea that oh I should do this every day it's like good practice to do it every day and then I'll do it like every day for three days then I'll forget and I'll be like oh now it's ruined um and that notebook's gone and I have like a real notebook love so (laughs) if I've got a really nice notebook I'm like no this is like this journal um but I guess I think a lot of people like the idea of doing it but then for whatever reasons kind of block themselves or don't feel like they have anything to say so what what do you advise in that, that yeah situation? you said some really interesting things there because like you don't there's no rules you don't have to do it every day it's so funny how there's all this writing advice that you should do things every day really I mean why <laughs> kind of do it when you feel so like freeing. it <laughs> don't do it whenever just do it whatever <laughs> but it has to yeah do it when you feel like it and also it has to be messy so I don't have beautiful journals with perfect handwriting. They're really scribbly oh. and messy and I might rip a page out and, you know, I might get my my coffee spilt on it and oh then I God. just wipe it. 
Oh my god, I'm praying for my moleskins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no i can never do that maybe that's why i keep buying really nice notebooks and i'm like i don't want to yeah ever. and i see on instagram that people have moleskins and i would never buy a moleskin it's too precious i feel your journal has to be a bit dirty and i always tell my clients that you need to sort of get in your body and if you want to journal and you want to write you have to sweat i know this is a bit weird but go for a walk go for a really brisk walk and we do this in my retreats where we walk and write because when you're in your body, you're not in your head ah, and then you're not judging yourself and you're not worrying, oh, is my writing neat enough? What should I think about? What should I write? Mm. And then things mm. flow and they come more free and it's liberating to just have a messy, dirty journal with coffee stains on it. Like that's... <laughs> <laughs> my face is like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I like a clean moleskin. Um, <laughs> I'll try it though. I, I'm definitely open to... Uh opening up some of the blockages especially where writing is concerned because I I've done it for work for so long um and if I get like a copywriting gig I'm just like all right I'll just I'll bash this out but there's no joy in it I've lost a lot of the joy of writing I think and it's become far less fun and far less like creative I guess because part of me feels like I have nothing really really to say (laughs) on a personal level so I'm like oh I guess I'll just write this thing for whatever yeah, this person totally wants understand. me to write and I guess it's like the joy like some people I guess the closest I can relate it to are like people that can draw really well um or artists that are they find so much freedom when they're just kind of free drawing whatever they want um and then as soon as they have like money attached to it um it kind of takes some of the joy out of it yeah, a little I bit completely completely understand yeah. and my clients say exactly the same thing and it is about awakening yourself Mm. It, it really is about focusing on your senses it's like imagine if you went for a walk and you went to the park and you really focused on a flower and you really focused on that smell of that flower and you wrote about the smell it would unlock something that is joyful in you yeah and then when you come back and try and write your copywriting maybe you'd bring some of that joy in there do you see what I mean and yeah it's about mm. yeah and it's about moving and it's about also thinking about those thoughts that are blocking you as well because if you're thinking, oh, this has to be perfect, this has to be neat, then yes. there's some kind of like fear underneath that. What would happen if it wasn't perfect? And sort of maybe doing journaling exercises where you you know, you know, ask yourself, why am I thinking this? When did I first think this? Did somebody shame me for my oh. work not being perfect? It's getting or... deep. <laughs> Very probing question. Yeah, no, it is. It is, isn't it? And it's, it's quite private. Yeah. And that's why your journal is private. And you don't share it. Yeah. And it, you keep and it Do you know what yourself. it is? I think actually a breakthrough. Um, when I was younger, I used to have loads of diaries. So I always wrote, like I always had like a habit of writing. I felt like I wanted to be an author. Um, I wanted to write books. And I had this massive love of writing. But my mum used to read my journal and my diaries. My goodness. Always. She would just like pry and just read them. Do you know them. what? This <laughs> is the most common thing that happens. I don't think I've ever recovered. <laughs> no, but, you know. So I, it doesn't feel like it is pri- a private space. It feels like yeah. a space that someone can just pick up and oh just. Oh my goodness. So if they don't, if someone picks this up, what would I have put in there that I wouldn't want them, I wouldn't want someone to see? So I think a lot of my writing is very much like it's always for an audience, whether yes. I intend it to be that way or not. Do you know, Imriel, I've, I've heard this story again and again. And it, it, it's something that you have to honour. You have to honour that a trust was broken mm. there and heal that trust. Yeah. And it is a process and there oh, are gosh. some questions 
that you can go through just to let just to sort of double down on that and heal that yeah and put that to one side and then to realize no my journal's safe no one will read this but me and have some affirmations around that Hmm. so yeah it's like a whole sort of it's getting under the under the layers of shame having some creative practices to free you up yeah and then the sort of strong knowledge that this is a safe space and once you've done that your writing will flourish Okay. Like it will be completely. I feel very excited. Yeah, motivated. we should do some work on this together. As well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like because, like, I, yeah, I should go to a workshop. I think <laughs> <laughs> because it's just I can just imagine how joyful when you have healed that. It's it's a, it's like you're free. Yeah, you're free again. No one's going to read your journal ever again. You know. I hope not. No, I hope not. <laughs> All the things that I could put in there. God. Um, no, but you're right. I think. Yeah, I've never really delved into why I need to have a really nice one. And if that, if I have to scratch something out, oh my gosh, the notebook's ruined. It's ruined. I've scribbled in it. It's it's done. No more. Um. So yeah, it has been like a really weird thing that like just stops me from like ever pushing through. Yeah. So yeah, that's quite interesting. I was not ready for that. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I feel like that was actually really helpful. Yeah. I cannot be the only person who has enjoyed writing when younger and then kind of lost that joy because your parent read it and then you got in trouble but every- for whatever you put in your journal. Yeah, exactly. Or this like happens- having a crush on a boy and it's like, so you have a boyfriend now? No, I don't. I don't have a boyfriend. I just had a crush on somebody and now now all of these emotions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to Yeah, it. it's so common. And it's also that feeling that you then have to um, sanitize what you say, you have to have it for, mm. it has to be for an audience, right? The right things. And, and we carry, like we all carry these small hurts and they build up, build up, build up. Yeah. And then you find that the writer you could have been is sort of buried underneath these things. And it's just about finding the jewels within that and making you an amazing writer that you always were. Yeah. And even though people may think, yeah, Imriel, I love her work. When you have that rich and depth from you and it meets in the middle, then it's magical. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. So I want to touch on writing your book um, because a lot of people do want to write and mm-hmm. they do want to write books and they want to be authors and they want to be published authors. Um, what was your process for, because your book is actually coming out in the US first because you yes. have a US publisher, That's right. which is quite different from the other authors I've spoken to. How did that come about and how was it putting together the book? So I had the idea for the book. Well, actually, how it came about was I, I didn't have a strong idea for this. I thought I was going to write something about love. I thought I was going to write something about love lessons. So I went to Starbucks for a few days and I wrote some stuff and it's really bad. And, and I must have written a couple of chapters and I thought, I don't even know what this is. But then out of that, I was writing about serendipity. And, and then somewhere out of that mess, I had the idea for this book. All right. And once I had a clear idea for what I wanted, mm-hmm. then I, I think I mapped it out. I can't even remember exactly what I did, but I think I mapped out chapters then. I didn't have a title, but I was sort of mapping out what I want, where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I started writing the introduction and the first chapter. And I did that and I wrote a proposal and I left that. And left that for a long time I was trying to sort of sell my proposal and I wasn't selling it yeah and then I got a message on LinkedIn one day from someone from Publishizer who are a 
very unique company that that does crowdfunding campaigns for authors. Okay. And then via that campaign, the more pre-orders you get, the more publishers you'll get pitched to. So you can get pitched to the top publishers. Oh, right. That's interesting. In, um, yeah, in the world and sort of the independents and all sorts of publishers. And so I did a video. I spruced up my proposal and, mm-hmm. yeah, um, started getting pre-orders from my network. And through that, that's how I met my publisher. Oh, wow. And because this company that helped me do this whole process was American, they were American too. So that's why I have an American publisher. Ah, this was an yes. interesting side story I didn't expect. So, yeah. And with the book, I, you, you know, you don't have to write a whole book before you sell it yeah, when course. it's non fiction. It's just a proposal, yeah. And, um, chapter summaries. Yeah, exactly. Just chapter right summaries. Now. Oh, are you? Yeah, they're really hard when you don't they're know what so you're going to write. It's really, really hard. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And I had a consultancy with the author school, and they're these two amazing ladies. And they said to me, look, why don't you just write the book? Like They were like, so like, what are you waiting for? Just write the book. Mm. And I was like, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't thought just to write it. And I literally just, I have such little time because I have a daughter and, you know, with the whole school schedule and stuff. I had, I wrote a chapter a week. So oh, when, yeah, so when my um, daughter's with the babysitter, or I could like, like sort of um, steal time, mm. I would just write a chapter and it just... I just wrote it so quickly because I already knew what I wanted to write. And yeah. I'd had it in my mind for so long then. It had it in my mind for about a year. And it just kind of flowed, but only because I've freed myself up before. Yeah. So it's e- and so it was easier for me to write. And I'd written the book previously, so I kind of knew. My fellow writer, I hope this episode touched you as much as it's touched me. Writing can be so freeing, and I hope Greta's words gets you out and writing in your free time. You can get a copy of Greta's book, Heart, Sass and Soul, on May 2nd if you're in the UK or April 15th if you're based in the US. You can follow Greta on Instagram at Greta.Solomon and on Twitter at Greta underscore Solomon. That's G-R-E-T-A and Solomon is spelled S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening via the Apple Podcast app, please do me the small favor of spending five seconds to leave a rating. And if you've got a little longer, leave a review too. Also, do get your career brand and marketing questions in for the mailbag episode at the end of this season. You can do this via wannabepodcast.com and use the contact form there. Also, if you like this podcast and think you can do what I do, then you should check out the Shoutout Network. Find out more about membership options by visiting shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. And also, if you are super into podcasting and you just want to learn more about it, you should check out the Shoutout Live Content is Queen Women's Podcast Festival on May 18th. So come on down. It's in London. Tickets are £10 for workshops and you can access talks and wonderful people, commissioners, producers it's an excellent networking opportunity so do come through more information can be found at solivefestival.com that's s-o-l-i-v-e festival.com be sure to follow wannabe on twitter and instagram at wannabe podcast please do tweet me and leave comments i love interacting with you all and i will catch you next week thanks Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.